Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. Your kingdom come. It's actually a brand new sermon series. We kicked it off a little bit last week, but this is my first week with it, so it feels new to me. Your kingdom come. Did you all see the chalkboard in the lobby, by the way? Can we just give a shout out to Charlie down here in the yellow hat? Amazing. Amazing work. I loved it. We saw it for the first time yesterday, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's even better in person. Beautiful. If you if you're watching online, Charlie Salazar did an amazing piece of chalk chalk art. Chalk. Am I saying that right? <laughs> chalk. Everybody say chalk art. It's harder to say than you would think. Uh, out there in the lobby, that is actually your kingdom come. Oh, that's not so great, but it is beautiful. Uh, you know, you can use your gifts and talents, whatever they are, to serve God and to serve the church. Charlie does it with chalk, and it's beautiful. Uh, Fidel takes pictures, right? And they're gorgeous. Uh, lots of different people around here use their creativity to serve the church, to serve God. You know, kids' ministry decorates the halls all pretty and cool. Um, the safety team. Actually, Wayne, will you wave at everybody? Look back there at Wayne. He is the leader of the safety team, and he's looking for people right now to help him with that. So... Sign up somewhere this fall. You know, we've had a long year and a half, a a long COVID season of kind of holding back. Can I just encourage you to jump in? (laughs) Serve people. Sign up for something, right? Whatever your gifts and talents are, I promise you we need them in the church. In fact, the church is suffering when you're not using your gifts and talents to serve it. We need you. Sign up for something, especially... Safety team, because I told Wayne I would definitely recruit you all for that. How many do you want, Wayne? Five, ten volunteers? <laughs> I'm going to say five, maybe five guys. If five people would go and see Wayne today, I would be very happy. Okay, this series is going to be unique among Freedom Valley series. I've never done one quite like this one. We kicked it off last week with Jeremiah Stoddart, who is in the house today, actually. Do you all get to see him this morning? It was amazing, Jeremiah. Can I just say thank you again for giving us that word and for just inspiring us for the the work you do with Mission SOS. It is actually incredibly inspiring what they do. I am very much praying that we are going to get to go on a trip next year with Mission SOS. Who would like to go to Africa next year? Preach Jesus. Yes, it's going to be amazing. I'm, I'm really hoping that works out. But I hope more than that, that in general throughout the series, starting with Jeremiah's word last week, that the Holy Spirit would just stir up a, a spirit of compassion among us, a, a drive, a fire in our bellies to share the gospel like never before. I, I hope that he stirs up a heart for missions abroad, but also a heart for missions in our own backyards, right? At our local grocery stores and our workplaces. It's my prayer that we would feel a burden for the lost, the hurting, broken during this series and be equipped to offer them the hope of Jesus. We are planning one of those Mission SOS festivals and I hope a lot of you sign up. And let me just say also, if you do want to go, start preparing now. Go get your passport renewed. Start saving up maybe. Fortify yourself. More than that, get your heart ready 
Wait, start praying now. Put your armor on. Seek the Holy Spirit. Get yourself ready. Uh, we also have two more guests coming during the series that I'm very excited to share with you. Not preaching guests, but guests that will ser- share in service. We have Thrive Ministries. How many of you remember Thrive coming a couple of years ago? It's a, a Hanover-based ministry that ministers to women going through domestic violence and abuse situations. They're amazing. They're going to come and share with us at the end of October. And we have the Bear Foundation coming Um first Sunday in November. It's called Stand Sunday. It is an adoption and foster care agency, Christian adoption foster care agency out of York that is going to come and share as well. So we're just going to pray that God stirs up compassion among us, that he also equips us with practical ways we can serve our community today. So please pray with me. Will you pray with me during the series? Pray that hearts are softened that lives would be changed, that selflessness would just be pervasive in in the Freedom Valley community, that it would spread among us, that we would truly serve each other. I believe God is calling us to a new level of effectiveness in our community and our world today. I mean, you heard about just all of the opportunities we have this week to share Jesus, right? Show up at one. Make it your goal to make one new friend, to invite one new person to church, whatever stretches you. Maybe one seems scary and like a lot. Maybe it's more like 10 or 20 that stretches you. I believe God for big things, and I believe we're going to see him show up because Jesus did. Jesus showed up. He didn't have to. He didn't have to leave a perfect realm in heaven, right? He came for us, that it's just who he was. And so we're actually going to read about the compassion of Jesus throughout this series. And I want to start with Matthew 9, verse 35, and just a couple of verses in Matthew. Let's read those together. Verse Starting at verse 35, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. Everybody say good news. It is good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. It's good news. Amen? It's good news. I say this a lot around here, but it's it's because I think a lot of Christians get this wrong. We just tend to get it wrong. I, I think pride, pride is a sneaky bugger. It sneaks in when you, when you think you're doing the best. <laughs> you think you've got all the sin in your life handled, right? I'm good at this. I've got this. I'm serving Jesus to the best of my ability. And then it's just like pride sneaks in a little bit. And it, it's so tricky. Such a liar. I think a lot of Christians get this wrong. The good news about the kingdom is not that God is mad at you, that God God is judging you, that he's the angry guy in the sky wagging his finger at you. It's not good news, is it? The good news about the kingdom is not what you should and should not do. This is one of my pet peeves in church. I think it's because I was a kid's pastor for so long. But we, we tend to teach kids in kids' ministry what not to do and what to do, right? Like, like be a good little boy and girl. It's not actually about our behavior. The gospel isn't that much about our behavior. (laughs) 
It's about his behavior. 2,000 years ago, what Jesus did for us on the cross. And that news, the good news, is that he came for you, not that you're doing everything wrong. World is going to hell in a handbasket. We hear this, especially right now. We hear bad news all the time. Gospel is good news. And we often think that the kingdom, we think of the kingdom. Christians that have been around church for a while, we know this, the kingdom of God, right? We're supposed to be kingdom minded. We think of the kingdom as something that will happen when Jesus comes back someday. Like it's far away. It, it maybe will happen. A lot of people actually think it's going to happen very soon, right? But it's not yet. The kingdom is something that will happen. The truth actually is that the kingdom is both here now and is coming soon. It is both. <laughs> the kingdom is here now because Jesus brought the kingdom. He said many times throughout his ministry, the kingdom is here now among you because I am among you and he's still among us today. Read through the Gospels, you'll see he was actually talking about now, both here and now and coming soon because Jesus is the kingdom. The kingdom is really more of a mindset than a place. He lives in each of our hearts, each of us who calls ourselves a Christian. But does our love stand out like his did? Jesus only ministered for three years on this earth. Think about that for a second. A carpenter's son. Just a regular guy from Nazareth. In fact, they, they always said terrible things about Nazareth. <laughs> Who would come from Nazareth, right? A carpenter's son from a nowhere town. 2,000 years ago, who only ministered for three years on this earth, is still affecting us today? Is still changing the world today? Jesus is the kingdom. Jesus is the good news. He lives in each and every one of our hearts. So why does our love not stand out like his did? This is, is the one thing that should set us apart as believers. Actually, we, we should stand out for no other reason than we have hope. We are filled with the love and hope of Jesus. And let me tell you, hope does not require that you have read the whole Bible. Hope does not require that you are a theologian, knowing everything there is to know about the word and, and eschatology and apologetics, and you don't even have to know what those words mean to have hope of Jesus. You don't, you don't have to know about church culture and who Stephen Furtick is, right, and who Hillsong United is. You, you don't have to know all their songs, I promise. To have hope, to communicate hope and the love of Jesus to others. You can have been a Christian for 30 years or three seconds and have the hope of Jesus and communicate it to others. Hope is so powerful. Creativity dies without hope, right? People will die without hope. And yet there's always two ways of looking at everything, isn't there? We should know in our world. <laughs> today. There are two ways of looking. At, there's actually a million ways of looking at everything if you watch the news, right? Like Everybody has an opinion. They're all diametrically different and opposing opinions. You never know who to believe. I heard somebody say this week that there is, uh, it's kind of like cats and dogs, right? Dogs say, you feed me, you pet me, you put a roof over my head, you must be God, right? Cats, on the other hand, who are cat people in here, 
Like, <laughs> I apologize ahead of time. Cats say, you feed me, you pet me, you put a roof over my head. I must be God. <laughs> right? Come on, cat people. That's funny. Two ways of looking at everything. Dogs and cats, completely different. We have these opposite ways of looking at everything in our world today. The world can look at things one way, but us Jesus followers, us believers, we see things differently. We should see things differently. We get to see things differently. Jesus saw people differently. He looked at the crowds and saw something completely different from the Pharisees. Pharisees looked at the crowds and saw terrible, no good sinners. Jesus ate with sinners. Friend of sinners, right, Jeremiah? He loved them, ate with them, ministered to them. And we see even throughout the Old Testament, spies were sent into the land. Do you remember this story? Some came back saying, the land is beautiful and the people are huge. We can't take it. It's not ours. That's not the promised land. Right? And then some spies, the minority, came back and said, the land is beautiful and the people are huge, but God will fight this battle for us. We may be the minority. The hope speakers may be the minority, but we still have to speak it. So many people have seen this pandemic and, and everything that's happened over the past year and a half so negatively. I almost want to say especially Christians. Seen it so negatively. And sure, absolutely bad things have happened. We have lost people. There are losses in our community that are so fresh right now. 100%. You know, we have lost people. It's, it's not all been good. We have good, amazing people. We've lost friendships and, and partnerships and all kinds of things have been lost. Kind of puts it in perspective. I, we actually had COVID back in April. So it's been like six months or so, right? I lost taste and smell hard and I barely got it back. And I, I joke all the time that I lost coffee. <sighs> Like for three solid months, coffee tastes like cigarettes to me. I still drank it. Don't, I'm not a monster. Okay. Still drank it, but like cigarettes straight up. So now, just this week, for the first time in six months, I actually got a whiff of coffee. Like I turned around in my seat. I was like, what is that amazing smell? And she was like, it's just black coffee. I was like, oh. I got to smell it again. And then it went away. It was like a minute. God just let me smell coffee for a minute. But <laughs> I, I joke that that's like the worst thing to happen to me because I, I love coffee. It's one of my favorite smells too. But pales in comparison to what some people have lost, right? We've lost a lot in this season. It's been a rough couple of years. And I'm not sure we're getting back to normal anytime soon, but that's not me being negative Nancy. That's just realistic because it's when it's darkest that the light is easiest to see. Right? I believe that that roots grown in this season at Freedom Valley will be sustaining us for a long, long time to come. I believe that some of you during the season have dug in harder than you ever have before. Some of you grew in your faith like crazy in the season that you wouldn't have otherwise. You, you came out on the other side fundamentally different. Anybody? 
right? Some, I know some of your stories and they're absolutely amazing. You've grown in the season like you never even thought was possible because our God is capable of doing exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask for or think of, even in the dark times. And I almost want to say, especially in the dark times. It's in this season that we're going to see God move in amazing ways. I'm, I'm almost excited for what God's going to do, right? You are going to see breakthrough if you can stay faithful, seek his kingdom first, seek his righteousness first. We're going to see more people looking for hope than ever before. It's going to be revival in America. And America has gotten hit the hardest. I was able to hear from some non-Americans this week, and they said, man, America has it rough. The election and the... Just all of it, it's just, you've had a rough couple of years, right? We have, but we get to shine in that. I see no bad news in that. We get to be the hope. We are to be merchants of hope. I have a pastor friend that says hope dealers. (laughs) We're out there on the street corners delivering, dealing hope. It's a funny word picture, I know. Merchants of hope. Biblical hope doesn't depend on circumstances. Walking on water doesn't depend on the storm. Deliverance from Egypt doesn't depend on a bridge. Right? Our God makes a way where there is no way. Our God brings light into the darkness. He specializes in places where there seems to be no hope, in fact. And the good news today is that God is for you. God is real, God is good, and he loves you so much he sent his son. He is for you. But the even better news is that he's not only for you, he also wants to be with you. Wants to be with you. Jesus made that impossible thing possible. It was the ultimate merchant of hope. And it's his news that we get to carry. We get to carry his good news to the nations, but not just to the nations, to our neighbors, the people living right beside us, to our friends, our coworkers, people who can't see the hope. We get to be that for them. It's our job to announce the good news. Be an encourager, a kind word. A good compliment. It's all it takes sometimes for someone to feel hope again. I I tell my kids all the time lately, let's leave it better than we found it, right? As we're cleaning up, as we're moving through the church, making messes as we do, leave it better than you found it. Don't just clean up your mess, but leave it better than you found it. I believe we should also leave people better than we found them. That's what we're meant to do. That's what Jesus did as he traveled through the towns. He healed every kind of disease, right? He spoke hope into them. Leave people better than you found them. To do that, we have to stop making it about us. A lot of people come into church with the the attitude that it's here for me. It's here to serve me. What did I get out of it today? How am I getting fed from church today? Rather than seeing the church as somewhere to give a people to serve, to give into, a place to leave better than you found it. It's not all about me. But I can point to specific times in my life where I was feeling like, I just can't do it anymore. Like, I don't know if I can do it anymore. And 
fill in the blank for it, you know, whatever it is. Motherhood is tough. Being married is tough. Ministry is tough. Church life is tough. Fill in the blank, right? Being a, a co-worker is tough. It's all tough. <laughs> there have been times when I just felt like I couldn't do it anymore. And I will tell you what, a kind word from a stranger or an acquaintance was all it took for me to feel like I could breathe again. Point to specific times. There was one time in particular, I was, I was in a place where I felt very judged. Whether it was true or not, I felt like everyone was talking about me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I walked into this place and I'm talking to people, just small talk and stuff, and an acquaintance, somebody I barely know. I mean, I've no, barely known for like 20 years, but still barely know. And she came up to me and she said, Candace, you're so brave. Really? <laughs> I don't feel brave, right? That's what I was thinking, but I actually just said, thank you. That means a lot to me. Um, but I still, it was years ago, and I still remember that one compliment. I live off that compliment sometimes when I feel like everyone's judging or telling me how I could do it better, right? You're so brave. It was just a genuine encouragement from someone looking at my life from the outside. You could be that for someone. You might be able to speak hope into somebody who hasn't had a kind word all day, or all week, or all month. Some of us live lives we just know nothing about. You could be the only one speaking hope to someone. And it's a choice. Hope is a choice. Right? I believe Romans 8.28 exists to give us hope. God would be God whether or not it was written out like this, but I want to read it to you. Verse 28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God works it all out for our good. It, this verse, again, it would be true whether or not it was written out for us like this, but it is. It is meant to give us hope that even through the darkness, even through the storms, even through the battles and whatever in life, God's going to work it out. He's going to work it out. And it is a choice when you feel hopeless to claim this, to speak it over your life. It's a choice to look into the future and say, God, I know you have my back here. I know you do. I know you're going to work this together for good in my life. I don't see it right now, but give me your eyes. I don't feel it right now, but give me your vision. I know your word is true, and I know that God is still God, and God is still good. I would not believe how many times Aaron and I have said that to each other. Yesterday was actually the second anniversary of kidney transplant, and he's going to hate me for this, but his brother is in the room who gave him a kidney. It's amazing. Two years ago... We had no hope. Two years ago and two days ago, we had no hope. And there were so many times, we were just thinking back through this yesterday, reliving some of it again. There were so many times in 2018 and 19 where we had a choice. A choice to believe or not believe. A choice to choose hope or let bitterness set in. Because he was in pain, y'all. Like, I don't know how many of you were here then, but he was 
still leading in worship every single Sunday morning in so much pain, having not slept for months. I mean, so much pain. And we still chose. I'm not saying we felt like it all the time, okay? But we chose hope. Over and over and over again, we would say, God is still God. God is still good. And sometimes we eked it out in a whisper, but it, it was there. God is still God. God is still good. We could have chosen to give up on meeting together, give up on the church, give up on life. Speaking life. It's not a matter of your circumstances, though, is it? It's a matter of perspective. My perspective changed through all that fundamentally, and I don't think I'm ever going back. That's what these seasons do to you, right? My perspective now is that it's all good news. Whether I'm in pain or in health, it's all good news. I am a citizen of heaven, right? Not earth, anyway. Whether I live or die in sickness and in health, rich or poor, all of those things you claim at weddings, but they're true. Whether I am free or in chains, I will serve Jesus and I will make disciples. That's my life's calling. There's no question anymore. I don't have a choice in the matter anymore because I chose when it was hardest, when it was darkest, in the middle of the storm we chose. God is still God. God is still good. I talked to a Christian once lately who said to me, there's such a heaviness in this area. Such a heaviness in this area. And I've always, that's sort of been in the, I think about that statement a lot. Because, you know, we've got spirit, every area has spiritual stuff, right? I just couldn't get that out of my head. And I think through this sermon, I, I finally figured out what's been bothering me about that statement. Even if it's true, there is some sort of spiritual heaviness and darkness to this particular area. Even if that's true, not for me. Right? Not for me. Not for you. I don't have to live according to my circumstances, praise the Lord. It should be true for any follower of Jesus. But we can't always see it. We live by faith and not by sight. I actually carry the lightness, the, the light with me wherever I go. So when I walk in the room, because Jesus walked in the room with me, the darkness has to go. The spirit of heaviness has to go. Because where the spirit of the risen Lord is, there is freedom. There is hope, and he lives within me. It is good news that I'm carrying, but it's my choice whether or not to walk in that. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd. It's not how we see our world usually, is it? It's not how I usually see it. Can I just be real with you all this morning? That's not how I usually see it. Jesus had different eyes. He saw things differently. He saw people differently. I see them as annoying sometimes, right? I mean, sometimes I see them as a waste of time, as, as dumb or frustrating. 
Come on, I'm not the only one who gets mad at drivers in other cars. Don't leave me hanging up here. People in the grocery store, you know. People online. <laughs> the meaning of sheep today is, is different than it was a year or two ago, isn't it? <laughs> not, that any, not that the animal is different, of course, but that calling humans sheep. <laughs> it's a pretty inflammatory thing to say these days. No one wants to be seen as a blind follower, right? Bought into lies. No one wants to be seen that way. But Jesus knew... The people of that day had a lot of confusion going on. They had Rome telling them something. They had Jewish leaders telling them something. They had other gods and goddesses and, and temples around their area giving them a way out of temptation. They were telling them something else. They had heavy taxes on them on top of it all. Heavy religion over them. Our culture today isn't much different. We're confused. Hopeless. Sheep without a shepherd. We've got our government telling us something, some things, lots of different things. Political parties telling us something. We've got religion telling us something. Hollywood telling us there are, are easy ways out. We're confused, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Do you actually know why calling someone a sheep is, is offensive? I, I looked up a little bit about sheep this week. Sheep really don't think for themselves. I really don't. As an animal, I mean, anybody a sheep farmer in here? We don't know that much about sheep. Yes? Okay. Well, you can tell me if I'm right about this. It's not that they're stupid. Sheep are not stupid. They're not. They're just highly social animals. They have been thoroughly domesticated, and they don't fend off predators, like, at all. They have no... <laughs> survival skills. Uh, they really depend so heavily on their shepherd and knowing his voice. Jesus was heartbroken at the crowds. They were like sheep without a shepherd, it says. So they were unable to fend off the enemy, right? Confused and helpless. I don't think I've said this publicly yet, but Aaron and I are actually training to become foster parents right now. It's a lot. We're in lots of classes. We're taking in lots of information. We just went through a class last week about trauma in children. And I, I don't know if you know just how prevalent it is. I didn't, at least not in these numbers. One in four women have been sexually abused as a child. That's not foster care kids. That's the general population. One in four women have been sexually abused. One in six men. Every fourth person you meet. I mean, in, in the foster care system, the numbers get even worse, of course, right? 60 or more percent of them have also been neglected. So, so many of them have gone through chronic abuse. It's not a one-time thing. It's consistent. It's every day. And abuse has tremendous impacts on our emotional, physical, mental, social well-being. It affects everything. In fact, it even has a direct impact on the health of our brains. Our actual, like, physical organ, the brain. When kids are consistently abused, their brain actually shrinks and becomes less pliable. Therefore, doesn't learn easily. And during those formative years it can have disastrous effects that some of us never get through. 
Let me tell you, <laughs> it changes the way I'm looking at people ever since. It changes the way I see people. It's not that uncommon for someone to have experienced abuse in their childhood. In fact, it's very common, and it affects us for life sometimes. Now, imagine being Jesus, and you can see all of that. Every time you look someone in the eye, you can see the the pain, the shame, the abuse and neglect, the weight that every single person is carrying as you look into their eyes. All the deep insecurities and fears, all of the things we wish our dads had said to us as kids. Right, the, uh, the ways we wish our moms had been there for us, all of the, the failures and the shameful mistakes and the ways that we didn't measure up. You can see all of it, but when he looks at you, he not only sees all of that, he also sees how beautiful you are. How amazing God has handcrafted you to be. How much potential you have. Even the untapped potential, who you could be with just a little bit of hope from him. He's not looking down on us or pitying us. He's not angry or ashamed. He sees someone who's been beat up by the world. Someone that he can help set free. Someone who, with the help of a shepherd, could grow into a a social, useful, beautiful sheep who knows his shepherd's voice who listens when the shepherd says, come, when the shepherd says, rest, when the shepherd says, give. I'm a proud sheep. I'm not a sheep without a shepherd. There was a time in my life that I was confused and helpless, but not anymore. I am a sheep with a shepherd. A danger might come, but I have my shepherd. Storms might come, but I have my shepherd. Is this not Psalms 23? The most known and quoted psalm in the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast before me in the presence, not in the absence, in the presence of my enemies. Your cup, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I'm not a sheep without a shepherd. I have a shepherd. But listen, others don't. We have a world outside these doors that don't have a shepherd. Your coworkers, your friends, your neighbors, your family, they might not have a shepherd. And when danger comes, who do they turn to? When the storm rages and predators lurk around every corner, because they do, who do they turn to? Humans are also highly social animals. The most social animals on planet Earth, actually. We turn to each other. 
right? We turn to culture. We turn to Hollywood or the government. We turn to influencers on Instagram or horoscopes or whatever. Cling to anything that might bring some hope, some peace, something that feels like there's a future for me. Our world doesn't have someone to prepare a feast for them presence of their enemies. They don't have someone to honor them with oil. They don't have someone to let them rest in green meadows or to restore their souls. They could. If someone would just tell them. My prayer today is that God would send you into his field. Jesus said to actually ask him to send more workers. That's how he finishes out this passage, right? He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. The fields are his to harvest. The workers are his. Don't get that confused. We often take um, that res- the, the responsibility of owner, Right, we when we we're actually more like tenant farmers. It's not our land, right? It's not our responsibility. Ultimately, it's his. The harvest is his. We're just the workers. Jesus actually mixes metaphors here a little bit, right? He switches from talking about sheep and shepherds to workers and fields. But I think there's a reason for that. A lot of us think that being a disciple maker means we also have to be a shepherd. We have to uh, be the pastor figure. We have to know all the answers. We, we have to be a theologian and, and know all of the terms and know all the, the Hillsong songs and whatever. Jesus is the shepherd. We're just a worker in his fields. We're his assistants. It's his farm, his flock, his fields. We just do what he says to do. As the band comes, Right now, I'm asking God for more workers, more hope merchants, more light givers, more workers in the harvest fields. And maybe today, it starts with you. Ask God to make you a worker. Like Mission SOS says, right, Jeremiah? We're either missionaries or a mission field. Which are you? Which are you? I used to talk about this a lot, but it bothered me for a while that certain Christians I knew would claim to be mature. We'd like to throw around this word. I'm a mature Christian. I've been a Christian for 30 years. I got this down. But is anybody following you in those 30 years? Have, who have you told about Jesus recently? Who are you developing? Have you answered any questions about the word or discipled anyone through a marriage situation or a financial? Like, what are you actually doing? Because if you're not a missionary, you're a mission field. I want to challenge you through this series. It might not be easy to hear. It might not be very palatable words each week, but we're going to be challenged. We need to be disciple makers in our neighborhoods, hope dealers. When the world is darkest, we need to shine the brightest. Not be afraid of this world. This world has nothing to fear for us. Not a thing. I'm a citizen of heaven. 
Not of this earth anyway. Unless Satan can take wealth, he can take, you know, the health, he can take all kinds of things, but he can't take my hope. He can't take yours. Don't let him. I want to challenge you through this series to walk your neighborhoods this month. Get out into them. Walk through your neighborhood. Pick one day a week throughout this whole month and just take a walk. But while you're walking, pray. Pray that God would give you the eyes to see, the ears to hear. Pray that he would show you the need in your neighborhood, that your friends and neighbors, your family, your your coworkers, maybe you're going to walk the hallways of your work while you pray. Maybe you're going to circle the building like Jericho. Pray over it. Right? Maybe you're, you're just going to go around the streets of your neighborhood walking your dog and you're going to pause and you're going to talk to people and you're going to ask God to be with them. Ask God to bring them. Ask God to give them humble and open hearts to hear his word. Ask God that he would fall with, with revival in our communities because of those prayer walks. Walk and pray. Ask God to open up your hearts. Throughout this series, we're going to hear of lots of different ways that we can do that. But listen, there are ways this week. (laughs) Our culture loves to show up for fall and Halloween events and whatever, and we are in the thick of it right now. Just show up. Speak hope. Be an encourager. Speak a kind word to people, right? And always be ready with an answer. The Bible says always be ready with an answer. If someone asks you, why are you so happy all the time? What's your answer? Is it that you had your coffee that you could actually smell this morning? Is it that you're in good health and everything's great? No, because it doesn't depend on our circumstances. Biblical hope does not depend on whether everything is great or not. You showed up to show them Jesus. Show up to speak hope. Right? Show up to say, I believe everything's going to be okay because whether or not this world makes it through all of the things we're going through right now, Jesus is my hope. Jesus is my anchor. I am firmly anchored in who he is. Sickness or in health. Whether or not I'm rich or poor. Whether the storms are raging or they're calm today. It's always Jesus. If you'll do that with me over the next month, if you'll commit to walking and praying in your neighborhood, at least once a week throughout this series, would you just raise your hands? Raise both hands. (laughs) Surrender. Father, we thank you for sending workers into your harvest field. Thank you for those of us who are disciple-making, who are praying for people in our neighborhoods. God, I just pray that you would wash your Holy Spirit over them. Empower them with the Holy Spirit, that they would just know what to say, what not to say, when not to say it, that you would just give them the wisdom, the discernment to minister effectively to the people in their life. But God, I also pray boldly that you would send more workers into your harvest fields that we would be a whole church of disciple makers, each and every one of us always praying for someone, always bringing someone along with us, always meeting someone for coffee and talking about the word, talking about Jesus. God, I just pray that it would overflow out of us, that we wouldn't be able to help ourselves, but talk about the love and the hope that you have given us. 
God, let it overflow out of us, that your fruits of the Spirit would just overflow. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, selflessness, faithfulness, and self-control. God, pour those things out of us. Let us truly be the vibrant, passionate, selfless church you've called us to be. Thank you, Jesus. You can put those hands down. I don't, I don't want to leave today without offering Jesus, though, as well. There may be somebody in the room today that's never said yes. That's never said, I'm in. We often say, I'm in around here. So you're not just saying yes to claiming the name of Jesus, to, to putting a rubber stamp on it and going home unchanged. Right, today, if you want to say yes to Jesus, you're saying, I'm in. I'm into following him. I'm into making him the Lord of my life. I'm in for the forgiveness and the freedom, the hope that comes with saying yes to Jesus, but I'm into changing my life. I'm into saying I can't do this on my own anymore. I've tried it my way for a long time. It's not working. Today, I just want to say I'm in to Jesus. I'm into a whole new life. The Bible says that he makes us new creatures in Christ. The old has gone, the new has come. If you're in today, let's just bow our heads, close our eyes, give each and every person a moment alone to just consider. Jesus, open hearts and minds today. If you would say, yes, I'm in. I want to follow Jesus. And maybe it's been a really long time since I've said that. Maybe this is the first time ever. I want to say yes to Jesus today. I want to ask him into my life. Ask him to forgive my sins. And I want to choose to live his way from today forward. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Or if you're watching online, you can text the number on the screen or type in the comments, I'm in. Raise your hand up high if that's you. Father, we thank you and we praise you. Thank you for doing a new work in us. Thank you for stirring something us up in our body. I pray that each and every one of us would leave here with a fire in our bellies. I pray that that fire would not go out for a long time, that you would stir something up in us, a passion for sharing Jesus. God, let us be addicted to it. We couldn't stop ourselves from preaching the good news about Jesus. God, thank you for sending your son. Thank you that we have a shepherd. We pray for your kingdom to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links. Would you stand and worship with us? Search the world, but it.
more time. You turn grace into goddess. Come on. You turn bones into armies. You turn seeds into highways. You're the Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Give him a round of praise. Can we give Pastor Candace thanks and for the band? It's a good message, wasn't it? Challenging message. We often, when we think about being the, the, the seed, the salt, uh, being the going to spread the gospel, of it's, it's, it's a little chunk here and there, but God wants to use you all day long everywhere you are be open for that opportunity on friday uh this week we were i was at the shoe farms hanover we taped the yearlings and a worker went down with a pulled hamstring and she was in pain so we helped her up got her to a chair and we're waiting for the cart to come to take her where she can be taken care of and i'm standing there and holy spirit is speaking to me and saying you know the great physician it's like, no, 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 no. Nobody knows about God here, and they don't want to hear that, and I don't want to be embarrassed. And he said it again. You know the great physician. And I said, okay. So I said, Alicia, can I pray for you? And I reached out, and she just sort of looked at me like, oh, okay. And I just prayed for her. So that's what God wants to do with us daily. It doesn't have to be this formal time where you go out and and, and all right, this half hour, I'm going to do something. It's every day, listen to the Holy Spirit and do what he wants you to do. And we will see the kingdom come. His will be done. Amen? All right, amen. Okay, the challenge this week, of course, Tuesday night, remember Halloween parade, if you can help, Wednesday night's youth. Friday night, the bonfire, children back there with the um, uh, kids in costumes. Saturday at the park. And Sunday, chili cook-off. Please get involved. Bring your chili. See if you can be the winner. Eric's been the champion for years, a couple years, so see if somebody can top him. All right, let's pray and dismiss the service. Remember to come back next week. Good to see you. Thank you, Father. We give you thanks for your love. Lord, we realize that we cannot build the kingdom on our own. It is only through you. Your power of the Holy Spirit working in us. Go with this week, Lord. I was in the back and I saw hands raised, all of us raise our hands that we will not forget to walk in our communities and pray, believing that you want to bring revival, believing that you want to see your kingdom come right here in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our businesses, our places of work, in our schools. Your kingdom come, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Prayer teams up here, if you need prayer, please come, get prayed for.